Hello, can you hear me? Brilliant. Wow, what a morning it's been so far. I feel very close to you, which is kind of nice, but COVID-wise, I'm not sure it's great. Let's bring it back a bit. There we go. Wow. Well, um, just a caveat. I put my iPad on to charge last night. It was a little bit low, and I thought, definitely needs it, just to be on the safe side. Woke up this morning, grabbed it, came to church, opened it up a few minutes ago. It's on less than it was last night. So if my iPad dies, I took a photo of my screen with my iPhone, and you'll have to forgive me if I'm then going over to it and peering, trying to figure out what's going on here, but um, really happy to be here. First time preaching in person since we've come back together again, which is exciting. Last time it was all on, uh, on Zoom, so it's nice to see people in the flesh. Um, we were talking about Norfolk. Um, Tessie and I, my wife and I, spent some time with my uncle and aunt a few weeks ago. It's been a busy couple of weeks. And um, they, they live uh, sort of Cromer area, if you know that part of Norfolk. Um, I don't tend to remember place names very well, so they took us around to a few different places to, to see some nice... Uh, they've got the Broads, which is just stunning. We got, went on a little boat ride. Um, they took us on this um, sort of passenger train, steam train thing. John's your man. He can tell you a bit about that, I'm sure. Um, but it only went from A to B and then back again, so it wasn't like a proper um, network rail sort of situation. And um, I wanted to share a holiday pic with you just really, really quickly. Chris is going to throw that up on the screen. And, and you know, I, it's one of these photos that I took, and I just thought, wow. I mean, I took that. I took that. That was an amazing picture. Absolutely amazing. I mean, it just really encapsulated the, the trip. Just uh, on, the, on the train, it was just beautiful. Um, and it just so clearly shows... What an amazing time we had together. Um, but uh, to be honest, I haven't really got the time to tell you much about the holiday. So, um, Chris, can you just get rid of that for me? Sorry, that was a bit of a waste of time. Let's, let's, let's actually get cracking on our topic. We're continuing our series looking at uh, why church? Why church? What is the church? Uh, making sure that we're, we're, we've got a clear picture of it and we're understanding it. Um, and also understanding how God looks at the church. And so today we come to the, uh, the body of Christ. I'm just going to put a timer running to keep me on time because you and I both need it. You and I both need it. Brilliant. Okay, so 13%, not doing too badly. Um, <clears throat> today, we're going to be opening up a, a passage. Um, you might want to turn to it, flick to it now. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, beginning at sort of verse 14 kind of area. The, um, the phrase, body of Christ... What does that conjure up for us? For some people, it might well be um, uh, familiar to us in the setting, the context of communion. You know, you've got the, the blood, which is the wine, and you've got the body, which is the bread. And we talk about that being the body of Christ. And that's true. It also has another meaning in Scripture. Uh, it comes out of um, verses like Ephesians chapter 1. You don't necessarily need to turn to this. Um, Ephesians 1, 22. And he put all things, this is talking about Jesus, when he's been taken up by the Father into heaven, this is what happened next, what was behind the scenes in heaven. It says, he, the Father, put all things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Jesus gets established as king over the universe. In, in reigning in majesty and in authority and in power. And God says, this uh, ruler, this person, this my son, I've taken and I'm giving to a body of people. 
Jesus' body, the church. So that's what we're talking about today. When we say the body, we mean the worldwide church, capital C church. We also mean little C church, communities like this all across the world, the body of Christ. And it says that we are, that the body is the fullness of him who fills all in all. Imagine that for a second. Like, look at the people next to you and think, wow. We're, together with this person, together with this person, we are the fullness of him who flung stars into space, the one who fills all in all. How crazy is that? How amazing is that? So as I say, we're going to be unpacking this passage from 1 Corinthians. Paul talks about the church as a body, gives us some, some insights that we're going to look into. And the reason we're looking at this is because we want to make sure that as a church, we are intentional about the way that we're going. Because if we're not intentional, then we're not really going to get anywhere, are we? You know, if we just sort of sit there and kind of hope it happens, then it may not happen. But if we're intentional about the way we want to go, if we make sure that we're understanding things the way the Bible describes things and we're putting our our hearts into the things that God puts his heart into, then we're going to get somewhere. We want to be a a spirit-filled, Christ-centered family and one that has an impact on its surroundings. So let's just pray together and then we'll, we'll dive into the text. So Jesus, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you've been saying to us so far throughout the meeting, the encouragement, the revealing of the Father's heart. And we just pray a continuation of that. Just take what I've prepared, take what I've got in my heart to say, breathe on it, anoint it, use it, speak it to, to each of us as if we were the only people in the room. We just say, come Holy Spirit, come have your way, shape us, lead us, enthuse us, excite us about uh, your body, Jesus. We pray this in your magical, wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to read through this. We're going to make some comments as we go. So uh, follow with me. We're going to start off at verse 14. So this uh, this is Paul saying, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. When he says member, it's like part, one piece. It doesn't consist of one piece, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That wouldn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I tried to look up the origin of of this phrase, which you might well have heard. Um, It seems to be fairly common. Uh, I couldn't find it. Christianity is not a cruise ship, it's a battleship. Hands up, who's heard of that phrase before? Anyone heard of it? Okay, a couple of people. I think it's quite apt. What's, what's the picture there? So if, what, 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 how would you describe a, a cruise ship? Well, you've got people who've paid for an experience. They come on board. They're looking to get, to get fed. They're looking to see some amazing sights. Uh, maybe they're looking to, to take in a show. You know, there's all kinds of crazy activities that go on on a, a cruise ship. And, if, and, and they expect that the crew have everything set up, everything in hand. The crew's going to run everything. I don't really need to do anything. I just pay my money, 
come on board, turn up to the right place at the right time for whatever it is I want to participate in. Well, if Christianity is not like that, but it's like a battleship, well, what's a battleship? A battleship is members of a crew, people playing a part, uh, invested in their, their jobs. There's a complete difference. And the battleship has a purpose. It's a, a vessel on which they are on a mission. They're going on a journey, and they're fighting a very real fight. And so it takes everybody together to kind of make that mission successful to, to keep going with the, with the fight. We can sometimes think of, of, of church. That's kind of been the perception of church, I think, for, for a long time throughout the, the years that people would turn up to church. I mean, we, we call it a church service, don't we, which implies I'm turning up to be served, to gain something, to kind of be a, a spectator, to be a consumer, and that it's the vicar's job, the leadership team's job, the organist or the pianist or the guitarist or whatever's job, all of them to contribute something for me to take, for me to receive. That's kind of this cruise ship idea. But I hope already it's starting to show how kind of strange a concept that is, biblically, from the point of view of, of God, that we would think of church like that, to think of it as somewhere I turn up to be served, that it is more like a battleship. I turn up to play a part. I turn up because there's a place for me. So that's what Paul is saying here in this first piece of scripture, that there are many parts, but there's one body, and each part of the body is vital and involved. We have a mission to accomplish as mature believers. But don't have this idea in your head that you aren't vital to the success of that mission, that your presence here is not something that would be missed if you were absent. I was trying to think of another way of thinking about this. And I was thinking of, you know when you're driving along the motorway? Um, probably most of us have done this at some point. Um, and we see new trees having been planted. But you don't see the new trees necessarily. What you see is this sort of stake that's been put into the ground and the tree is kind of tethered to that stake and it, it grows up it. If you didn't know better, you'd drive along the motorway and you'd look at these and you'd think, wow, somebody worked really hard on those stakes. Somebody put some time and care into them for them to lay them out on display for all of these people who are driving past. I mean, what beautiful. I mean, should we pull over? Have we got time? Should we just take a look at these, take a detour? That's a weird way of thinking about it, isn't it? Because we understand that the stake is there. It may be more obvious, but the stake is there purely to provide the support for the tree to grow up and grow into maturity. In the same way, church isn't about those in leadership. It isn't about those in visible serving roles. But it's about those roles being there like that stake to provide an opportunity for the whole picture to be... Uh, brought clear, enlightened. So that's the first thing I want to leave you with today. We are the members of the church. Not we are, you know, whoever stands up here. We are the members of the church. We are the members of the body. And we all are vital and have a part to play because Jesus has no other body. He ain't got nobody else. And he's about reaching this world. So we all have a part to play in this rich picture of a community of people, all part of the same body. And let me say also, <clears throat> it will be impossible for the captain of the ship to fight the battle and to carry out the mission himself. It's impossible for our leadership team to do everything, to man the battlements, to steer the ship. 
It takes us all. It really does take us all. Let's keep going here. So from verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. How many times have we been tempted to think, for whatever reason, oh, I don't feel like I need church right now. Maybe it's, it's community group during the week. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, prayer meeting. Maybe it's uh, whatever, activity. Oh, I've got so much on in life right now. I'm really busy. Or, oh gosh, I'm shattered. Or, man, I've got a lot going on right now. I've got genuinely a lot on my plate, and I feel like the last thing I need is church. But Paul's answer to that is, the foot cannot say to the eye, I don't need you. Or the hand, or the head to the feet, I, I don't need you. Because the point is, it, it isn't so much about what each of us need, it's about the picture together. It's about actually, if this foot wanders off on its own, we've got a weird hobbling body left, and you've got a strange kind of Adam's family foot thing going on. It's about, about being plugged in. It's not about lone rangers, it's about there being no division. Uh, second half of verse 24, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I think we can all imagine what it looks like to stand by somebody who's suffering, who's going through a difficult time. You know, it looks like practical support. You know, what, what do you need to help this situation get better, or at least to help you navigate it and walk through? Uh, do you need wisdom? Do you need some advice? Is that something I've got, or can I point you to somebody else? It's prayer support. Let me intercede for you and hold you up before the Father and cry out for heaven's resources to be made available to you. So we've got a picture of what it looks like to, to stand with the suffering, but on the flip side of that, that, let's say I'm going through a difficult time, it's all very well for you know, the church to be ready to support me, but I've got to open to it, haven't I? I've got to have that, that courage sometimes to say, oh, do you know what? I am going through a tough time, and life is pretty sucky right now. But instead of turning away like a foot running off by itself, I'm going to turn in. I'm going to turn in. I'm going to let myself be vulnerable with these people. I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to say, look, I need some prayer. I need some practical help. And so it's the two sides working together. It's, it's me as somebody who, who isn't necessarily facing suffering kind of saying, look, I'm keeping an eye out. Is there anybody I see who, who looks like they're struggling or maybe they haven't made it to a, a meeting for a little while and I want to check in with them and say, look, is everything going okay? But it's also the other side saying, do you know what? I'm reaching out. I need some help here. It's the two sides working together. Verse 26. If one member suffers... All suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. It's that body mentality, you could say. Recognising that what we go through, we go through as a whole. We go through as a team. We go through as a family. We go through as a ship, as a crew. And so, standing with the suffering, standing with each other who, who are going through difficulties is one half of the picture that Paul talks about. The other half is... Rejoicing when one member is honoured. All rejoicing together. And that kind of makes sense to us. You know, if, if let's say the church has just run an event. Let's say um, 
somebody took the lead on the event um, and there was a team with them. And we, we can honor and we can applaud, we can ask them up and just say, look, we're just so grateful for the way that you served us. Thank you for the effort you put in. We recognize that and we honor that and we celebrate you. It's easy for me to kind of say, do you know what? Yeah, cool, great. You know, it doesn't necessarily seem to be a victory for me, but I can recognize it's a victory for you and, and be happy about that. And that's wonderful. But what if their victory was something that, that I was hungry for in my own life? Does that get harder? Does that get a bit more difficult? Yeah, it, it kind of feels like it does, doesn't it? To watch somebody else triumph in an area where we're struggling or we, we want breakthrough um, or, or um, I mean, sometimes in my own life, okay, I'm going to be honest here, sometimes in my own life, I've seen other people step into areas of service in church that I have a passion for, that I feel I have a, a calling into. And that's hard, isn't it, sometimes? It can feel like, God, have you forgotten about me? D does that mean that because that space has been filled now, there isn't room for me here? It's natural to kind of feel like that, isn't it? But here's Paul's thought. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And again, it paints that picture of, it would be strange to kind of think, I don't know, let's say you're a tennis player. And most of that skill kind of comes out your arm. Well, it's a bit strange for the rest of the body to kind of look at the arm and kind of go, oh, man, you know, oh, this really sucks that you're getting honored for what you're doing. It's about the body, isn't it? There's just a sense of actually, wow, the, the skill and talent you have in this part of the body reflects well on the head. That's about the point of it, isn't it? It reflects on our head. It reflects on Jesus because we know it's all by grace, through his power, for Jesus' glory, for his name to be spread throughout the earth and for people to, to see him as he is, as the wonderful saviour as the faithful friend. There's a scripture in Matthew 16, and I'm running short of time, so I've got to skip through this quickly, but when I read it, it really powerfully spoke to me. So off the back of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus had just uh, miraculously multiplied all this food to, to this massive group of people and fed them all. The disciples are all now in a boat with Jesus, uh, heading on on their journey. And the disciples are kicking themselves and each other because somebody forgot to bring food. And they're all like, man, that was your job, Peter. You, you, you had that. I mean, you're our lead kind of guy, aren't you? It was your fault. No, I delegated it. What are you talking about? You were supposed to bring all the food. So they're arguing. And Jesus has a lesson he wants to speak into their lives. So he says to them, uh, beware the yeast of Herod and the Pharisees. That's his lesson he wants to teach them. And the disciples fall silent and they say to each other, Peter, he's saying that because you forgot to bring bread. No, he's saying that because you forgot it. I delegated. Remember? The point was that they missed the lesson Jesus wanted to give because they were preoccupied with their lack or how they saw it, what they thought they lacked. Jesus then realizes, all right, if I want the lesson to go across, I've got to correct the thinking. And he says, look, do you not remember the feeding of the 5,000 and how many baskets were left over? Do you not remember the feeding of the 4,000? How many were left over there? And he delivers the lesson again. What's the point? The point is they began their thinking with what they lacked instead of remembering back to what they'd seen. And I thought, that's an interesting lesson for them to learn. And then it hit me. Well, actually, I have access to their event, the, what they went through by reading it in the scripture. So therefore, I have access to taking the knowledge, taking the lesson from that event 
and applying that into my situations, which is all to say, when we hear a testimony of what God has done, contained within that testimony is our own victory. Our victory is wrapped up, sorry, our our opportunity is wrapped up in somebody else's victory. So when you hear a testimony shared of what God has done in somebody's life, when somebody is invited into an area of service or somebody is honoured for something that they've done, there isn't any sense of loss on my part because actually contained within that is the picture of who God is, his nature, his character, his heart's desire to speak into the difficult situations that we face and bring about redemption and transformation. So now I just got an opportunity to receive faith for my situation, for my struggle, for my journey, which means we all win together. We all suffer together. We stand together and we rejoice in each other's victories because ultimately, like I say, it reflects on our head. Jesus, uh, the Father, has put us in Jesus' body to strike out, to go it alone, to turn our hearts away from that community is to say that we know better than God where he should have placed us. This body thing might be a great idea for all of these people, but I got this. I can go this alone. That's not the attitude. That's not the, attitude. That's not the mentality to have. We put ourselves in a, a more difficult situation if we do that. I mean, it's like a buffalo wandering away from the herd when there's lions about. Because there's lions about. We're a battleship. We're on a mission. We've got an enemy that we're facing. We've got to stick together. We've got to dig in. We've got to come together and play our part. So the message today, and what's clear in this passage, is that the church is not a cruise ship. There might be other churches that look a bit like a cruise ship when you turn up to them. There might be other Christians who think that that's what church is about. Paul blows that out of the water. It's about all of us having an opportunity, having a a part to play. The body being enriched because we're present, because we're involved in things. The church is a battleship, a body together on mission. All of us vital. We're people involved. We're not spectators. I don't know what it looks like for you to be involved. We had some incredible words today about taking on the shape of Jesus, not taking on the shape of the world, not being afraid of the mess, being willing to step into something and not get it right, knowing that nobody is expecting us to get it right They just celebrate the heart that led us in there in the first place. It's not about being perfect. God loves you. He inhabits the mess. We receive grace and mercy from him because we're his treasure. We're his treasure, all of us. He just delights when we're playing our part, shining with his glory. Now, it's been brought to my attention that the picture I showed you earlier might not have been quite as clear and great as I thought it would be. Would you mind pinging it up again just so I can have a look at it? Ouch. That's embarrassing, isn't it? Chris, I mean, you've got a, you've got a laptop there. I don't know if you've got any fancy software on there. Can you do anything about the sort of twistiness at all? Can you, can you undo that a bit? See what you can do. See. Oh, okay. Well, it's sort of twisting in a different way, isn't it? Um, what about getting rid of some of these sort of swirly bits? Can you do that? Let's see. Well, all right, uh, we're sort of getting there. 
The pixels seem a little bit blurry. Is there anything you can do to sort of sharpen the pixels a bit? Let's just have a look and see. There it is. That's what I was trying to show you earlier. This is my boy. This is Ezra. You know, God has a picture of his son that he wants to bring into focus in this community, in this church. But when the pixels are distorted, it's unrecognizable. But when each of us, like clear pixels, play our part and have that biblical mindset, that's when the picture becomes clear. God's goal is to present his wonderful, one and only saving kingly son to the world. And he's chosen people like us to do it. If I was him, I might have looked at me and wanted my money back. But he says, these are the guys I want. These are the guys I can use. So let us play our part. We've been hearing about opportunities to serve, opportunities to get stuck in. There's others out there. There's other opportunities just on a Sunday to keep an eye on each other and look for who might be struggling and suffering that we can draw alongside. There's opportunities, and there's people here. It may not be that the way that we have a need lines up with the call of God on your life for this moment, but there's still a need. So maybe we can get stuck in and serve in it all the same. Let's all play our part. Let's just pray together and we'll finish. Jesus, we just thank you so much that we get to play a part in your story, that we've been invited into your body, that you looked at us in our mess, in our sin, and you said, that one, I'm going to save that one. I'm going to die on the cross for that one. I love that one. You cleaned us up. You made us a new creation, something that the earth had never seen before. You filled us with your spirit. You lived inside us and you joined us together as one body, one people, one crew, one ship on a mission. So we just acknowledge your headship, Jesus. We acknowledge that you are our heads. We are your body. We are your hands and feet. We are the, the members one of another. That it matters if we're missing. That it matters if our hearts aren't connected with each other. Lord, unite us together. Unite us together. We're coming out of this time of being apart, Lord, this COVID time. As we're back together again now, strengthen that bond, strengthen that community amongst us. Because we've got a mission, Jesus. We're following you. And we just pray, Lord, that you'd be pleased with our hearts, pleased with our efforts. And we thank you for grace and mercy when we get it wrong. We just bless your wonderful name, Jesus.